This is the War on 94 Sports Podcast, your weekly dose of everything Chicago and Milwaukee sports. Now, here are your hosts, Frank Fernandez and Evan Schleinser. What's up, everybody, and welcome back. It's another episode of the War on 94 podcast, here to bring you everything in the world of Chicago and Milwaukee sports. I'm Frank, here with Evan, as always. Evan, how you feeling? Tired. Just <laughs> brutal honesty. I think I, tired. I think I might have thrown you off because I think I switched around the normal way that I do the intro just there. Did you? I feel like I normally say, I'm Frank, this is Evan, and then I say, to bring you everything in the world of Chicago Milwaukee sports. Maybe that's what it was. But that something didn't feel right I there. I threw a little, threw a little change up, and I think you weren't ready for it. I, well, I'm never ready for the change up. Um, no, I'm you're saying, also never ready to, to say how you're doing. Well, yeah, but that's, well, what else is new? <laughs> um, <laughs> um yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm excited for a lot of sports content in this episode, a mm-hmm. lot more than we normally have, which is funny to say because we're a sports podcast, but um, right. we got we got news to talk. It's yeah. basketball playoffs, the eve of the draft, which it, the draft is probably gone by the time you come and gone by the time you hear it, but you're just going to hear us just be Nostradamus all over the place in this yeah, episode. Of course. So um, I'm ready. Let's do it. Yeah, let's wait, get into it. Let's wait, not wait, waste wait, any time. How wait. are you feeling, Frank? Oh, I I am feeling pretty well. You know, as I feel we, like I never you know, asked if anyone you. was watching. <laughs> if anyone was watching the live on Sunday, you'd know that I just got engaged over the weekend. So that's really exciting and fun. Congratulations to Frank and Kayla. <laughs> Woo! So that's exciting. Engaged, got a meeting with already meeting with a wedding planner. Uh, starting tomorrow, so getting everything popping off on that. Otherwise, um, I'm a little sad, Evan. I gotta be honest. I'm still seeing red as always to the engagement, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Completely unrelated, but yes. In you know, I'm I'm still seeing red, but I'm feeling a little blue. Bang and tweet, by the way. Um, bang and tweet. Thank you. Uh, if you know, if you couldn't tell. The Chicago Bulls have been eliminated from the playoffs. Uh, dusted by the Milwaukee Bucks once again for the third game in a row. <laughs> um, they, they finished them off. The first quarter was the difference once again. They won by 16. They outscored us by 16 in the first. Um, yeah, just kind of a microcosm of the Bulls season, if you ask me. Uh, two of our best players go down, one with COVID, one with injury. Um, and it leads to us just really having no answer for the Bucks. Not that we had an answer when we were with Caruso and Levine, um, but we had a better cha- uh, a better chance. And uh, Bulls season comes to an end, unfortunately, and the Bucks move on. So half happy, you, me, half sad. <laughs> one half of the podcast is happy. One half is sad. Yeah, as you said, kind of a microcosm of the of the season at large, especially the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Just a yeah. derailed by injury and underperforming. And uh, I mean, Demar, what did he finish with? I saw six in the middle of the fourth. Did it get any better than that? Yeah, I think he had eleven. Okay, finished with eleven. Yeah, yeah. I, a lot of growth needs I mean, to be made by this team in the off season. Um, is the bottom yeah. line. Right. I'm not sure. Even if we we talked to the end of the series, we saw this was the likely outcome. And uh, you know, props to them for game one and two fighting, but uh, their their lack of depth got pretty exposed pretty quickly. Oh yeah. Um. Definitely. They won. They they only split when the Bucks were playing just about their worst basketball ever. Um. I mean, just never. Even when they felt like they had a shot, it never really did feel like they had a shot. Um. In the back of your mind, you always knew. And, I mean, you know, it can only go up from here, sure, but, like, mm-hmm. it's not like this is this is a team that's has potential to grow, but it's not like Definitely. other teams that are just, like, littered with young stars. I mean, DeMar is, what, 
uh, like 32, maybe. Okay. 30, I think he's and, 32. And, and quite honestly, I think he's, you know, shown us what he is. Um, so, I, I mean, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see. I'm not saying that, you know, he has spurts where he looks like an MVP candidate, but he also has spurts where we talked like this. You brought it up on the first podcast to frozen is a real nickname that he lives by in the playoffs, especially. And, you know, a lot of growth and a lot of change, I think has to happen, especially depth wise and in star players becoming star players in order for this team to really have a, a, a shot, a shot shot, like not just like a, we're in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, and I, and it's like it's hard because I feel like a lot of NBA Twitter and like casual fans who don't sit down and watch, you know, I think I I pretty much probably watched seventy five out of eighty two games this season in full. I would say, um, and those who you know casually watch or get more into it as the season goes on and then really pay attention to the playoffs, like it's really like rings or nothing. You know, yeah. it's like. If you're not competing for championships, like what are you doing? But it's this Bulls team has a plan, and they have, yes. you know, like they have they have people in place to, um, you know, be that future. Uh, like Patrick Williams, back to back twenty point games to end the season. Um, he looked like our best player tonight. Uh, love to see that. Um, and you know, you have a guy like Io Desumu who's getting starting minutes in a playoff game, like against the defending champions like that's great for your development um we'll see what happens to kobe white obviously zach levine is going to be back on a max contract anybody who says otherwise just wants this team to be held back for the next couple years like um so yeah it's just about developing and you know obviously we need to improve on there's two areas we really need to improve on it's it's defensive interior and perimeter shooting you know, I'll cover more of that. I don't really want to get into the de- like the nitty gritty right now. Um, but congratulations to the Bucks; they are well deserved to to move on to the next round. We knew it all along, and we'll always have Game Two, Bulls fans. <laughs> You'll always have Game Two. Yeah, no, yeah. and I'll take all the congratulations for the Milwaukee Bucks organization. Thank you, thank you. Um, mm-hmm. I think, as you said, moving on. Um, in in predominant fashion, but that may be the last time we see that this playoffs, um, at least for this it's, next series. I don't know how much gonna dominating is going to happen because yeah, whatever you thought the Nets Buck series was going to be last year, I think this, compl- I think this surpasses that. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously we know that that series did not live up to expectation, partially because there was many injuries, but even then. I mean, Katie had some nuclear games. Giannis, I mean, back and forth and back and forth. I think that one went six or seven, didn't it? No, it went seven. It went seven. It went seven. All that. It, it, yeah. I guess I don't know what I'm talking about. That I, game seven was a, that was the one where KD's foot was on the line and would have won the series if Kurt, he had yeah, that's true. taken an inch back. One for the eight. But I know what one. you mean. But no, but this one just this Injuries. one feels like yeah, yeah. This one feels like it's gonna be just like that, if not better. I mean. Uh, yeah, I don't know of a hotter team to finish the season. I don't think there truly was than the Boston Celtics. No, um, they got if I'm Robert Williams, I believe is back. Is he not? Yep. Um, he's back. So they're back to full health and they're complete. Uh, we're unfortunately the ones dealing with injuries because Chris still does not really have an exact status yet. Um, and I mean, I was listening and thinking about this today is like we, we being NBA Twitter, as you just said, is who can be reactionary and, and a lot of off topic and a lot of their critiques or attacks or whatever. Um, Danny Ainge got flack for drafting some of these guys early on in his career. Um, and then uh, their previous coach who stepped into GM role, whose name is escaping me right now. Um, Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens. Thank you. Um, Brad Stevens got flack when he stepped away and people were like, this Boston team is, you know, not long, not, not long for the way their current, current roster is constructed. And, oh yeah, I mean, it just ascended into, and there probably is not the right take when you look at that team and, you know, the youngsters that they had, but I don't know if anyone expected quite the quality of basketball they're, they're playing right now. 
No, I completely agree. And I feel like everyone was really quick to want to break up Tatum and, um, and Jalen Brown and, um, you know, cast off Marcus smart as like this guy who really can't do much, but I mean, he's, he wins defensive player of the year. Tatum was by far the best player in that series against, uh, what some consider to be, you know, top 10, top 15 player of all time. And Kevin Durant, like they are everything they appear to be. And I think it's going to be an absolute dogfight. Um, Giannis has turned it on to another level. Um, I, according to Woj, it sounds like Chris Middleton's going to be out for even longer than expected. Like you were kind of saying. Um, so I think they might be without him for the whole series, but also like we said on Sunday, it's kind of opened up this offense and allowed Giannis to really take control. Um, and, and the shooters have been shooting. Connaughton was on fire tonight. Yes, he was. Wesley Matthews has been has been great. Obviously, Grayson Allen has been such a problem. He turned into Steph Curry when he was in Chicago <laughs> over the weekend. Uh, I think he went like eleven for thirteen. He was uh, he yeah, was feeding right. off off the crowd and just and yeah he was going nuclear. So that's going to be a great series. I fully expected to go seven games. My early prediction is Boston in seven, but I am very excited to watch those games. And I feel like the only thing that makes the difference for me is Boston having home court advantage. That's literally the only thing. Right. But the Bucks, Bucks have never been a team that's like afraid to go on the road into a tough environment and play their game. No, no. And, and there's, there's like three global thoughts that kind of like get, you know, come to my mind first when I think of this series, um, and one is, I, it feels like, and I think I said this last year with the Nets series, but I, there's so many, so many parallels with how powerful these two teams are. It feels like, and again, if there's, there's not any Heats fans listening to this podcast, but might be discrediting them here. But I, I think this, the team winner of this series goes to the finals. Um, I think, I think these are the two best teams in the Eastern conference. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you know, that obviously is said mostly because Chris Middleton is can is when is a healthy asset, which he's not right now. So that like might change things, like I said, um, going forward. But I think I, I at this point, there's a, that's where I stand on that. Um, I, I genuinely as a fan am a sitting here saying, thank God we won a ring last year. Um, be, and be going honestly with, like, as I said, I gave all the, the, the credit to the Celtics and pl- a lot of them for a few minutes. Honestly, like this series you can't feel mad about losing or feel like there's no like, Oh, well, Katie's Katie. And there's the villains story arc with him and Kyrie's a selfish, whatever. And there's the story arc with him. Like this is just a team that plays good, fun, dominant basketball in the Boston Celtics. And if they were the ones to come mm-hmm. out of this series victorious, I, I, I can't say I wouldn't be rooting for them. Um, but that being said, I, I think I like our chances. Um, as you said, Giannis is, you know, Giannis is Giannis. No, nothing else needs to be said there. Um, and we finally, I mean, you know, Bobby back healthy is, is energy to this team. Um, he's powered us through these past few games, a cup close out the series. Grayson shooting out of his mind. Um, this team looks, looks like a team that's still ready to compete. And I think, I think nationally, mm-hmm. a lot of people are counting them out we're counting them out before the playoffs even started. Then they lose Chris and it goes even further. And I, I'm not really sure why that is. I, maybe it's fatigue from like, Oh, well they just automatically write off a team that won back to back. Maybe it's just because the conference is so wide open, but um, it, it feels funny to me that that's the case, but we're here. And like I said, I think, I think the, the victor of this series is, is going, is going to the finals. I agree. Cause I, yeah, I feel like the Heat now, especially there's been there's some injury concerns with Jimmy Butler. Um, they got past a team in Atlanta that, frankly, did not even deserve to really be in the playoffs. Um, and then you have Philly slash Toronto, who, I mean, Philly might be the first team to ever blow a three game lead in the NBA <laughs> yeah, playoffs. Seriously. So that's that's concerning, right? Uh, right there, and Toronto, I just don't think they have enough. So yeah, I think Boston and and 
and Milwaukee is going to be the de facto Eastern Conference Finals. But uh, I'm excited for it to start. Sunday will be game one. We'll definitely be bringing you uh, more coverage of that as it goes on. Um, But, uh, yeah, let's move on and let's talk some baseball. Um, We've been, you know, talking the last two episodes about the ultimate team, the sort of uh, 20 year team that we've been putting together one player from each season, no repeating um, since I think I did 2001 and you did since 2001 and you did since 2002, maybe. Um, Yeah. And math errors. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So um, we're on to, I'm on to Oh three or on to Oh four. So we both have a couple of horses today. Yes. Uh, two aces who really were defining members of the early 2000s for both of our franchises. Uh, I'll start with mine. I'm going 2003 Mark Pryor. Um, and if you're a Cubs fan or just a baseball fan in general, you'll know that Mark Pryor was the great hope of the Chicago Cubs franchise. Um, he came in in the year 2002 and really was one of those top guys right away. Um, He was drafted. I just had it in front of me. He was with, he was one of the top, he was a top pick six, five legs like tree trunks. I mean, now he's this uh, pitching coach of the Los Angeles Dodgers in his first season, you know, average rookie numbers, six and six, um, in, in 19 starts, three, three, two ERA, um, you know, he had, he showed, he showed signs of being a guy who could, um, really gel well with, uh, Carrie Wood, who was at the time, the Cubs top starter. Um, but then in 2003, he really took off and he became the guy who everyone knew him as at the time, 18 and six. 243 ERA, um, 245 strikeouts to uh, 50 walks. Um, he was an ace of all aces in the league. He had he was an all-star, finished third in the Cy Young, ninth in MVP voting. Um, he had some memorable performances, especially in the playoffs, going uh, a complete game against Greg Maddox. Former Cubs great. Um, he also infamously started the game six of the NLCS against the the Florida Marlins, the Steve Bartman game. Um, he was twirling a gem until that until that heinous moment uh, carried <laughs> out by by Steve Bartman and Moises Alou. Um, but yeah, I mean, Mark Pryor was an absolute stud, the kind of guy you would um, dream up or like create in an MLB, the show game where you think like perfect pitcher, like Southern California, tall, lanky, throws the ball hundred miles per hour, right past you, like wicked slider, just everything you could hope for. And injuries just absolutely derailed him after the 2003 season. He was never the same. He was worked to absolute hell, him and Kerry Wood. They were both never the same after that season. But boy, was that a fun one. Um, so Mark Pryor is my 2003, a, a year where there are a lot of guys to pick for the Cubs, but Mark Pryor stood out and uh, I need my ace. I need my top line guy and it's him. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one to go with. Um, Mark Pryor is a name when, I mean, as you said, a, a name, a true baseball name. Um, but mm-hmm. it's one that if you aren't a fan of the team, you almost forget about. Like it's one of those that almost like fades away into like the fogs of your memory until you hear or see the name again, and you're like, oh my gosh. And you go you go look at exactly what he did, like a three or four year just absolute dominant span of baseball. Um, you know, yeah. it, and that's part of why this exercise has been so fun because you go look at the details of baseball that we remember, but not to the deal, not to the detail where we, where we count stats and watch score, score boxes now. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just, it's, it's completely different. It's so fun to go think. And, and the same thing with, with my guy, I'm going to use that segue here. Um, 
I went with, a, as I said, a horse, Ben Sheets. Um, 2004 Ben Sheets, specifically. Uh, it was his third of three consecutive years of 215-plus innings pitched um, across 34 starts. Um, and you mentioned, I think you've had the complete game in the playoffs. I don't think the that Brewers team made the playoffs. Uh, but they, he did have five complete games in the regular season. So that's a lot. Um, we're talking 260 strikeouts. We're talking all-star and eighth in Cy Young voting. And it is the season that won him his contract, um, Mm -hmm. with his big extension with the Brewers four year, 38 and a half million dollars. Hilarious to think that that's what an ace got back in 2003 when they're getting 300 mil now. (laughs) The big extension. Yeah, exactly. Um, right. at the time it was breaking the bank. It was the largest, um, contract in Brewers history. Um, wow. Yeah. Like nine and a half million, nine and a half million a year. Pretty I mean, much. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. That's, that's crazy. But I mean, Hey, 2004 money. That's, that's big time. It's pretty big, especially for baseball. Um, but I mean, some of the things from that season, I, you know, injuries plagued him in the first few years. Uh, but that didn't, I mean, again, more stats, 0.983 whip for 34 starts. Um, and that's also a 270 ERA. Uh, I mean, this guy just didn't give up hits. He, he got out and he struck out 10 a game. Um, and I'm, uh, he was in June 13th of 2004. I was just reading this straight from the Wikipedia. Cause it's so fun to go back and look at the detailed season breakdowns. He was struck out mm-hmm. all three. He had an immaculate inning and a 5-4 loss to the Astros. He was the 26th NL pitcher and the 35th major league pitcher to do that. Um, he was touching 96 to 98 regularly. Uh, he also had um, a game in, on May 16th of 04 against the Braves where he struck out 18 batters, which broke the previous record of 14 that had, was set by Moose Haas in 1978. Um, Moose so, Haas, what a name! Moose Haas, all-time baseball name. Um, second yeah. in NL and uh, in strikeouts, third in the majors behind Randy Johnson and Johan Santana. Uh, this was his first season below to, uh, a three ERA, um, and that and his ERA and WHIP ranked him fourth and third respectively. Um, and then this is the craziest thing: thirty-two walks the whole season. So he in how many innings in 34 or um, 260, 34 starts, 264 innings pitched. That's a strikeout to walk ratio of over eight to one. Um, Wow. And unfortunately, because pitchers were still measured by their win loss record, which they have nothing to do with. um, Do not get me started on that battle of how pitcher (laughs) wins are a meaningless stat. Um, he finished eighth, as I said, eighth in Cy Young voting, even with all those top five, top four, top three stat finishes. Just an absurd season. I mean, I put these two pitchers up against each other, and who's hitting anything out of, out of the infield? Right. Out of the infield, even. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you're looking at an exciting time if you're if you're watching these two go against two each other. Just absolute I'm sure there are studs. I'm sure there were several times where these two went against each other as well. Like that would not surprise me at all if that was the case because they were around in that same era yeah, of yeah. Uh, of NL Central baseball. But I mean, Mark Pryor only five seasons in the league. Yeah, that's that's what probably was craziest about going back and looking at his stat his stat log is that um, I I didn't have an appreciation for how quickly his star burned. I mean, yeah, an absolute bright stud and fast. Yeah, and unfortunately, injuries injuries were to blame. And Sheets had a little bit of that too, um, you know, injury concerns here and there. But obviously, didn't shut down his career. He was able to pitch oh five oh six. I mean, he was even pitching. You know, he went down and back up. But he his last major league appearance was in twenty twelve for the Atlanta Braves. So yeah. he not to the clip he was, but I mean, that still still pitching fifty innings that year. So it just it sucks. I mean, yeah. it's part of the game, but it sucks so bad to see somebody that good just be totally uh, totally derailed by it. Could we be seeing that with Jake Degrom right now? Hmm. Mm, tough. Tough. That's tough to think about. Um, but yeah, two two studs, two guys you would love to have at the top of your rotation. So um, 
happy to have them on our on our sides. Now, where was he actually um, in your rotation? Was he was he your a number one? I mean, we obviously have a few pitchers that we have to get through here, so I'm not mm-hmm. going to spoil them all. I, but for he was for, for me, he was my two. Okay, um, I'm looking at the Cubs ultimate roster I have right here. Um, no, I have another pitcher said, who is my it. number one. <laughs> okay, yeah, I think he will we went be with down the line. Yeah. He'll be he'll be down the line quite a bit, but this guy was my number one, and for good reason. When I get to him, I'm excited say, to already was, talk about him. I think I remember who it was, and it's absolutely worth it. Yeah. Just I mean, there's yeah, there's uh, been some both sides of the ball, there's been some dominant ass pitchers, but the Cubs especially. Yes. There is there's it'll be interesting to see reaction to who you take because I there's there's a lot of good choices. Let's put it that oh, way. Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, yeah. So love, love that. Uh, I'm excited to keep doing that while we're on to, uh, I'll be 04, you'll be 05. Uh, so that's fun. I think so. And then eventually uh, we'll catch episode. up because your skip year's in there somewhere. We, we did the challenge. Uh, we, we did 20 players across 21 seasons because we just did the mental math of 21 to 01. That's 20 years, right? Nope. nope. No, it's not. Damn. Oh, well, we'll get there. It. It's they so good. Prepared, they never prepared us for that. <laughs> um, uh, okay. Let never once let's, uh, let's quickly go through a, a, you know, a quick kind of recap of what's going on in the world of MLB current day for our teams. Current day. Um, yeah, currently the Cubs are kind of falling back to earth, uh, started six and four and we're, we're looking pretty damn good. Number one MLB offense, um, lots of contact, lots of fun. Uh, they've, they, like I said, fallen back down to earth. Losers are five out of six right now. They're in a battle with Atlanta tied three, three in the eighth and Atlanta is threatening to take the lead. Um, it's just kind of, I mean, it's, it's to be expected. This is not a year where I'm, you know, there were very high expectations for the Cubs in general, but when you start out that well and your offense is kind of clicking and, you know, you got some, some especially guys against a division rival. Making, right. And you got some guys making a difference just right away who you're just bringing in like a say a Suzuki. Um, it does, it does, you know, trigger some, some excitement, but going back down to earth um, and, you know, it, it's, this is a year where you're trying to kind of figure out who's going to stick around for the future. You, you, you want everyone to get a chance. You want to see who is worth keeping, who is uh trade bait and who is not worth their weight in baseballs, you know? So um <laughs> That's what the Cubs are figuring out right now. Hopefully by, you know, mid-June, we're still playing somewhat meaningful baseball, at least wild card wise, given that there are three uh, wild card slots this year. So hopefully we're still fighting for that uh, position. But it is what it is. Um, the, the best thing I've seen, though, in this last stretch, um, the only win the Cubs have had in the last six uh, they put up three touchdowns on the Pittsburgh Pirates mm. in the largest, the largest shutout victory in franchise history, twenty-one to zero, on Saturday the twenty-third. Smoked them. Um, I think they knew I was. Yeah, I think they knew I was getting engaged that day because they, they really laid it on. <laughs> um, only three runs coming off of home off a home run too. The rest, they were just slapping the ball around. Twenty-three total hits. Um, moving base runners really just, I mean, no mercy 21 to zero. When, how often do you see a stat, a, a score line like that? Never. And in fact, it's, 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 I mean, an incredible game. It's something that should be enjoyed all season, even if it's against the pirates. Um, but two really funny things that came from that day of baseball and that weekend of baseball specifically. Um, it was the first time that there was two shutouts, one by a 10 plus run margin and one by a 20 plus run margin in the same day. I forget who it was, wow. but there was a 13 to nothing win. Okay. Um, the same, same day. Uh, but then this is funny. It'll probably be less funny to you, but the <laughs> Cubs are the first team to ha- lose a four game series with a positive run differential because they finished <laughs> that series with three games to one, they lost to the pirates, uh, but they finished yeah. with a positive 17 run differential because of that game. Every other game that's, was a one or two run loss. Yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> that's really funny actually. So just, 
just kind of the full Cubs experience of this year. You're going to get some good and you're going to get some, some awful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, already have, having lost four out of six to the pirates is not what you want to see from not a team you that you're kind see. of hoping to come to, you know, be competing a little bit. Um, so trying to quell my expectations, I guess a little more. <laughs> um, yeah, what about the Brewers? What's going on with them? Yeah, um, Brewers. It's it's really really illustrates a tale of two teams since we since we faced off in that opening series. I mean, as you said, they lost lost three of those four to or lost two of the three rather to the Cubs, um, and went into Baltimore. And um, although they won the series, it was not exactly convincing, especially knowing it's the Baltimore Orioles who admittedly have outperformed expectations thus far. Um, they seem to be a mm-hmm. decently competitive team, especially pitching wise. Um, since then though, series is against the uh, Cardinals, um, which I guess, never mind. That wasn't really that great either. They lost that series. No, they split that series. <laughs> it was a four game split. Um, yeah. and, and then pirates at home and then the Phillies capped off with that Sunday night. Uh, baseball game that nobody watched because it was boring as hell and angel hernandez wanted people to talk about him um largely largely good i mean the same pirate scene that you mentioned that you nl nl central teams have been expecting to beat up on for the past roughly 10 years at this point uh they have taken all five so far against them uh including a 3-1 victory today um yelich has been the most i guess obviously one of the biggest talking points the most interesting talking point he's not still connecting as frequently um but the power is back the ability to hit to all fields is back crushed a grand slam in that uh pirates um series at home uh and it was so funny because i'd put the game on and i'm like i would just love it so much if yelich hit a home run tonight like i just i feel like it's coming i just this would be awesome and like it, it was not 10 minutes later he just launched a grand slam um, and he had, Ooh. he had a pretty funny TikTok about it. He was, um, he overlaid the, who do you think you are? I am, um, bullet video. <laughs> it was pretty good. I think he tweeted out too. Yeah. He's like dabbling in TikTok and a lot of the other like baseball players. I mean, Vado's on social media. It's kind of fun to see these guys. Just, oh, Vado on there is hilarious. Vado is hilarious. And it's just, it's fun to see these guys like be just themselves. Um, yeah. regardless of what the team is or isn't doing, like they don't, their, their, their joy doesn't have to be tied solely to team wins and losses. Um, but he's, right. I mean, Yelich's general batting is down, but he's hitting the ball hard. He's making decent contact. Um, he's not chasing a ton. Uh, so it's largely looking okay. He's at least getting back to Miami form, which is, serviceable so we'll take it positive yeah Yeah, positive from what we've seen absolutely um the pitching is finally settling in uh peralta turned in a good start after having two shaky ones to start the season um ashby's looking good lauer was made better looking by angel hernandez because he had the strike zone of the size of china um but uh it, it 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 benefited him to the tune of like 13 k's and i think six or seven shutout innings so I mean, hey, if that's that start your starters gonna you, you take what the umpire gives you, and he did. Um, Ashby's looked good. I say that already. It just really solid from top to bottom. The 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 three three at the top are really settling in, and the depth that's coming in behind. Um, Willie Adamas is exactly what everyone hoped he would be: homers and hard hit balls all over the place. Defensive magic. Um, I mean, just a, just a really really continues to be a better trade every day and speaking of better trade better and better trades every day uh, you know grisham i think we lamented especially last year as he was starting to be really good in san diego um losing that trade or not losing the trade we meant to losing him in the trade that sent him and davies yeah, yeah right um to san diego but if you look at even a year and a half or a year and three weeks into that trade the starting third baseman and the starting uh, a, a pitcher who's largely dominant as a three or four guy. And for a guy that was not on the Padres roster for longer than a half a year um, and went to your division rival and was not good last year. And God knows where, is he still a cub now? Where, where even is Zach Davies? Zach Davies was traded in the uh, Baez trade. I want to say, I think he might be a Met. 
honestly, I would not be surprised if he was like a minor leaguer at the moment. He was terrible. Yeah, and he he was he was always a pitch to contact guy. I mean, he was serviceable in Milwaukee at best, um, and it didn't really improve when he left. And Grisham is Grisham, but um, you you have two quality players, especially Urias, who's working his way back. Uh, and it just looks to be a, another successful trade. And I, you know, this team's got room to grow and room to keep going. I eight and two, I said, I think I said in the last 10, um, and I, you know, hopefully it keeps the offense keeps resurging or the pitching keeps ma- maintaining. I think this team is again in position to add at the deadline. I hope they take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. I don't think the Escobar trade last year worked out quite the way they wanted to, but I would expect the Brewers to still be active in some way to try and get an outfield bat if they can allow it. Um, or uh, I'm going to butcher his name, but there's a prospect that we draft Garrett Mitchell. Um, I'm not going to butcher the name Garrett Mitchell, who we drafted two years ago. <laughs> Nailed it. Actually. Crushed it actually hundred um, percent is honestly cruising. I think he's in double a right now. So it may not be a bad that helps this year, but um, it was a top draft pick by the Brewers in that 2020 COVID year draft. And he's working his way up, up the, up the, up the, up the ranks. Um, so it's fun yeah, to watch. It's fun to watch. Um, the Brewers are fun, especially when they win games. Yeah. Um, even when they make them 12, eight games against the pirates. Uh, but as I said earlier, we move. It <laughs> hey, wins a win 12 and seven. I would take that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Especially after, like I said, yeah. one and three and a split with the Cardinals 12 and seven is a great place to be. Definitely. Um, yeah. Baseball. Gotta love it. Um, but let's get into what we're really here for, what everyone's here for, what you'll be listening to post the actual draft. But the NFL draft is upon us. Um, at the time you're listening to this, it will probably be in the day two. Um, but we are looking at one of the more, at least first rounds, one of the more unpredictable first rounds that we've seen in a while. There is no really consensus number one pick Um, quarterbacks all over the board who could be first. We could be seeing multiple first round quarterbacks. We could be seeing maybe just one, maybe two. Um, Lots of teams trying to maybe move up in the draft, move back, get more draft capital. There could be trades on, on, on draft night with some significant players involved, um, especially Debo Samuel for one. Um. It, it seems like tomorrow could be a very interesting night. It has already been a, in a word, batshit crazy. Hmm. Uh, how about two words for you? Yeah. Uh, off season, off season for the NFL with stars moving all over the map, shifting the power dynamic in the league um, in both conferences. I mean, it's going to be very interesting. And let's start with the Packers. Two first round picks uh, tomorrow night. One, obviously, their own. The other one garnered in the trade with um, with the Vegas Raiders. What are you expecting? Are you expecting movement? Um, is Darren Waller still on the table? He's been talked about in Packers uh, circles. What are you thinking going into tomorrow night? Yeah. Um, I don't know what I think I'm thinking. There's just <laughs> never, a, I mean, there's never a way to predict what Gutekunst wants to do. Um, obviously the age old joke or the age old, the three year, four year old joke at this point. Um, he seems to not love to draft the one position that we desperately need this draft. Uh, whether you believe that's actually true or not. Um, he has not drafted a, a, a top wide receiver. Um, and I think you mentioned the quarterback class. Obviously, that's a class that has a lot of shakiness to it um, in that none of those guys could potentially – there's a potential path where none of those guys pan out. Uh, but they're – for defensive positions and for skill, really for every other position, there is not, as you said, a consensus elite like take this guy, but there is – take. there are a lot of guys to take and to pick and choose yeah. from. This – I th- yeah, this is an incredibly deep draft. And I didn't quite think I gave it credit enough until I was listening to um, a, a podcast. I think it's actually a Packers preview podcast. 
um, talking about how COVID is mostly to blame for that because a lot of players went back for their extra year of eligibility. Um, this draft has suddenly become just littered with guys and you can get impact. You can always get impactful players on day two and day three. I mean, look at Aaron Jones, look at AJ Dillon, look at names on names on names for any team. I just named the Packers because mm-hmm. these ones that come to mind, but right. there are yeah. studs across the board. Um, and stud doesn't mean Hall of Fame bound, but stud means serviceable guys that you will know their names. They will be con- significant contrib- contributors. Um, Packers, I don't. You said you said trade up, and we talked about it. Um, I don't think trade up really is a likely scenario for this team. They just don't seem to be a team that strays far away from analytics. Um, again, analytics doesn't really ever tell you to trade up. Trade back is the more sensible option because you acquire more assets. Um, Mm -hmm. and secondly, I think we texted about it and we brought it up the, the big names going, one of them being Darren Waller. Um, and this looks like there's a Schefter tweet from about an hour ago or hour and a half ago at this point that, uh, he's not moving anywhere. A weird trade across the board, a weird rumor across the board. Apparently he was agreed to in the original Devante trade, but you can't move players for you can't move a player on a franchise tag for another player in a deal, according to league rules. So the league vetoed the trades. They had to rework it. Um, That is what I've heard as the, what the holdup was because the the tweet, the initial tweet was very vague. It was, Oh, well the league didn't allow it. Well, why the hell would the league not allow it? That seems to be why Um, would really be a bummer because that would have been a massive get for us. (laughs) Uh, Waller is a beast of a tight end. Um, but the tight end class in this draft is deep. The wide receiver class in this draft is deep. Um, there are many good teams vying for wide receivers. I saw a tweet from uh, La Canorfa, speaking of a tweet, Jason La Canorfa, he, he's a, a, the NFL beat writer. Um, and he tweeted out that um, he's hearing a lot of talk about potential trades, especially surrounding the Eagles, the Seahawks, and the Packers. There are some NFL execs that believe a run on wide receiver could come in the top 10. Um, obviously those names would be wow. Wilson, uh, Garrett Wilson, Jamison Williams, and Drake London. Um, I would love any of those guys, but I don't think that's where the Packers would go. It remains to be seen what they do, but names I've seen swirling a lot names. I wouldn't be surprised um, if it ended up that way is uh, George Pickens from Georgia. George mm-hmm. Georgia Pickens, haha. Um, and then uh-huh. uh, the other one, it, it may not be actually founded in beat, but in a lot of interviews, Chris Olave has been talking up his desire to go to the Packers. Um, I think he was asked offhandedly, like, "What team would you love to go to?" And he posted about wanting to be uh, wanting to go to the Packers. Uh, maybe I think I have the quote here. Um. Oh, he just mentioned that he's been in conversation with the Packers a lot, um, and he would he would be cool with seeing himself land there. Um, I don't know what else any other receiver is supposed to say besides I don't anybody's supposed to say you're trying to win a job. So maybe that's not maybe that's more smoke than it is fire. Right. Um, I would I would George Pickens and it honestly would make the most sense for me. Like knowing the Packers, they're not going to take a day one wide receiver. They're going to wait till day two or day three, which really won't be the worst thing in the world. Like I said, there's names all down the board. Sky Moore could fall that or that far. Um, actually, probably not. He'll probably go in the first. There's a ton of names. Uh, wide receiver yeah, and I offensive mean, line so, seem to be think, the biggest interest, yeah. though, I think, overall. So I would expect to see the most focus there. And then beyond that, best player available, there'll be some defensive guy that they make themselves fall in love with. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think that there's going to be a lot of wide receivers taken in the first, yeah. second round. I feel like there's a lot of depth, a lot of need. Teams are wanting to throw the ball more and always needing more weapons. And I feel like we've seen wide receivers in the last few years just have immediate like transition into the NFL game um, without much, without really needing to like kind of get acclimated they're just they hop in and they're they're ready to go these colleges colleges are running so many um so many pro style offenses that allows these guys to just be able to jump right in as it is um 
Is there any other names that come to mind, or is, you know, you said one more does? I don't Sky think more possibly really, really interesting. I mean, I think it's more of like I would love to see my team take this um, rather than I think it'll actually happen. But um, I would love for either of my teams, much I like what I like, much like I would have loved for them to end up with Osu Kormoa last year, and thankfully the Browns did. I would love for the Packers to end up with Nicobe Dean, uh, the linebacker, also out of Georgia. He's been getting a ton of pre-talk here. He's a just an absolute stud of a linebacker. Um, lateral coverage out the wazoo, can pass rush, can he can do it all. He's um, the, the the analytics don't tell you that you need to draft linebackers, and they have linebacker pretty taken care of. But um, what's one way to fight cap penalties is have rookies that are good on cheap contracts for a long time. So uh, I would be mm-hmm. not mad about seeing him end up as a Green Bay Packer. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. I mean, two picks definitely allows them to have some flexibility. Um, so it'll be very intriguing. I'm, I'm I'm super excited to watch this draft and see how things shake out. Uh, I feel like there could be a lot of movement. Uh, yeah, there's there's no the there's no pick. There really rarely is. Um, but this draft especially, there's no pick that's solidified. Like, yeah. Um, as you, as you said, quarterbacks could go three in the top five and three and or one in the first round. And there could be no in between. Right. Right. Um, as far as the bears go, uh, where you are. Yeah. Another season without another year without a first round pick, um, obviously traded it to acquire Justin Fields last year. Um, and now with a new regime in place, new front office, Ryan Poles, uh, Matt Eberflus at the helm as far as head coaching goes. Um, first draft for this new, you know, this fresh-faced GM and a chance for him to make a splash, hopefully. Um, a team with only six picks uh, going into this draft. They got two seconds, one that they acquired in the Khalil Mack trade. Um, they have one third-round pick and then three fifth-round picks. So, uh, Ryan Poles has already talked about possibly trading back um, in order to acquire more capital. As you mentioned, that's uh, usually the smart move analytically. And the Bears just, I feel like Ryan Ryan Poles had a very interesting press conference today um, where he kind of was asked all about the Bears draft process and, you know, different aspects of where they're at, what they're thinking, um, how they're going to approach it. And he said, you know, this isn't he's like the word rebuild is such a sensitive word like everyone is Mm -hmm. so obsessed with using the word rebuild he's like i call this a remodel he compared it to kind of putting (laughs) a house together (laughs) kind of funny right something you don't normally hear out of a guy but he said you know you you got some you know you got some nice countertops maybe the, the cabinets need some work um you know the floors might need a little you know redoing um, he's like, but we have good, good people in good spots. Um, and he said that, you know, we're not trying to completely rehaul. Like there are good things in the room. You don't need to retouch. Um, so that's kind of the thought process here. Um, so I think a lot of the bears decisions are going to be based around Justin Fields, obviously, he yeah. was your number 11 pick last year. You, you're you trying to build this franchise around him. Um, and he has the potential to be that franchise guy, but you need to create positive you know, environment for him to grow and be the best potential player he is. And Ryan Pohl said it again. This isn't just a matter of receivers, receivers, receivers. Like we're not just going to go out there, draft you know, four receivers and be like, okay, we're surrounding him with as many weapons as we can. Like, Right. Building a building a positive environment for him includes blocking. Like this guy needs to have people in front of him to prevent him from getting put on his ass seven times a game. Like we saw when he first made his start in the NFL, like that game against Cleveland, it was evident that this team was not prepared to have this guy out there. And mm-hmm. and we saw it all year where he was he wasn't put in situations where he had to run for his life and he could not play his game because of what was in front of him. So it also 
includes creating opportunities for him to have a run uh, balance, you know, that run pass balance. And Poles has said that he finds the deepest positions in this draft are defensive line, offensive line, defensive back, and running back. He really didn't mention receiver, which I thought was kind of interesting because I feel like that's something that myself included. A lot of Bears fans are very hopeful that we'll, you know, make a move. Hopefully, maybe in our first pick of the draft in that second round, uh, grabbing a a wide receiver. But I'm not going to be, like, necessarily shocked if they go the opposite way and kind of wait on on a wide receiver. Um, So guys who come to mind for me um, in terms of those receivers, um, a guy like Traylon Burks um, out of Arkansas, Mm -hmm. 6'3". He would be a nice little piece across from Darnell Mooney. You know, you have the speed um, of Mooney. You have, you know, Burks, who's another guy who's, who's got speed, but that height is going to make a nice difference, especially replacing a guy like Allen Robinson. Um, and then there's people who come to mind on the defensive end. Um, defensive back is a a position the Bears are severely lacking in. I mean, they are, in a, in a word, terrible in the defensive <laughs> backfield out, outside of Jalen Johnson. Like, we have Jalen Johnson, which is great. We love him. Um, he has been, you know, everything the Bears could hope for. He was a first-round talent who fell because of injury, and he's been a great uh, piece in there for this team. But we need to be able to, you know, supplement him. So a guy who comes to mind um, out of Auburn, Roger McCreary, um, good size, physicality. He's fluid. Like, we have a defensive-minded coach now who turned Indianapolis into one of the best defenses in the league. So getting a guy like that in here would, would definitely be helpful. Um, and then you throw in, you know, offensive line. Um, I won't bore you with names on the offensive line, but look out for the, for that. I mean, Ryan Poles is a former offensive lineman in the NFL, so he's definitely mm-hmm. going to be interested in, in trying to build up that unit and allow – not only fields to have that protection, but build up the run blocking for a guy like Dave Montgomery and Khalil Herbert. Like those guys, when they are allowed the chance to find those holes, they're going to make plays like just give them a second and they will, they will make a difference for this team. So I'm very interested to see what the bears can do in their first uh, draft with, with this new GM. I hope they are, um, able to kind of add more to this roster. We've seen a very interesting off season as far as the bears. They're, they're cutting a lot of dead weight and uh, bringing in some depth, bringing in young guys to compete for positions. I still think this bears roster right now, as it's constructed is maybe top five worst in the NFL. Um, it's <laughs> going to be a tough year as much as, as much as um, Ryan Poles wants to put a coat of paint on here and, some new cabinets and call it a remodeling. Like this is a rebuild. Like this bears team yeah. is, is not ready and they're not going to, there's not going to make big but There's moves. a long way to go. Yeah. There, there's a lot of things that need to be done to put this team in a position um, to be competitive. So let's just see what we can get. Let let's build from, from within and hopefully Ryan Poles can make a splash because Ryan pace for all we didn't like for him of him, that guy knew how to put it together on day two and three uh, in the NFL draft. Like he he got some big pieces: David Montgomery, Khalil Herbert, Eddie Jackson. At times, um, you know, Eddie <laughs> for a Goldman. year and a half. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, he he was able to find those diamonds in the rough kind of guy, or or guys who fell back because of injury, or um, that sort of situation. So let's hope polls can sort of get that rubbed off on him and, and put together a good draft because that would be huge to start out going into, you know, the off season, uh, with, with that, uh, in our pocket. Boom. There you go. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, a lot of work needs to be done. 
Um, yeah. But I, I think the biggest thing, and maybe this is how I go into every draft, is I think I'm just going to pray that neither of our teams trade forward. Um, it really does not benefit <laughs> either any team to do that. I will stick as a hard line in that in that stance. You give up assets for, I mean, unless you like know that that's your guy, like it, you, you could be giving up a whole lot. I mean, to move top ten, like that tweet I said, you know, that's going to cost probably both the first round picks, and that's what's supposed to be two immediate plug and play guys. Um, even for the Bears mm-hmm. fans who um, are desperately hoping and wishing that they had a first round pick. Uh, you might just have to wait for a day one pick another to, until next year. Yeah. Oh, and I didn't even mention. I mean, there is a chance. There's been rumors. I think we talked. I was texting you about this oh, earlier. Did, yeah. But there are rumors that Robert Quinn is being floated in trades. Uh, teams are asking about him. Um, so there is still a chance that we see the Bears move up into that first day tomorrow, uh, Thursday night. Um, so by the time you're listening to this probably on Friday, the bears may have traded Robert Quinn uh, for a selection. Maybe in that, maybe there's a guy who they're looking at, like we said, a wide receiver um, who, who they feel is a difference maker who they need to move up. And he's not going to fall back to that, to that second round. Um, So I think there's a chance Robert Quinn said, you know, he's like, I, I want to stay here. Um, you know, I like what, what we have here, but I mean, a guy coming off a career season, one of the best seasons for an edge rusher ever, um, in terms of sacks, like 18 and a half sacks last year, unbelievable. Um, he's not getting any younger. I feel you might need to strike while the iron's hot. I think I said, I think I mentioned this, like when, the season ended. I was like, yeah, is there a chance the bears do this? And, and we discussed it on here. Like we, we thought that might be possible. Um, and I think if it's, if somebody really wants it and is willing to give up a first round pick for it and we don't have to give up any, any sort of like, maybe we give up like one of our, you know, like our third or like some, you know, a fifth mm-hmm. or something. But um, if we can move up into that first round and get a guy who's going to make an impact right away, like, I say we do it and and we can we can get another edge rusher like Robert Quinn's not going to be the difference between the Bears finishing 4 and 13 or or 9 and 8 you know like no really I mean no so it's I think there's if the if the right trade comes along like why not send it why not yeah <laughs> moving a player exactly. to, for a younger player would not would not make me angry moving picks for Moving more picks for less picks, that's what makes me angry. Yeah, we're going to be talking so, on this on the next episode that. about the Packers trading. We're going to be talking on this next episode about the Packers trading up for Malik Willis. <laughs> uh, if we can get the live reaction tomorrow. Or Don't you Thursday put that evil show, on me, Ricky Bobby. If we can get the live reaction on our draft show of the Packers trading up and going to get Malik Willis. Oh man. <laughs> A look of disbelief. I hadn't even entertained that Evan's thought. Place. But no, I, there's not I'm happening. Just like, no. I'm just like there's no way he doesn't go top 5. Oh, fucking I'll be so livid. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like there's only a handful of teams that he's going to go to. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, the Packers are not there. There's no way they're doing it. No, 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 no. They just committed <laughs> way too much money. If anything, we need Rogers to get, to I say, if anything, we need to get rid of Jordan get Love, get not add another quarterback. Jordan Love, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially another like young first rounder. Like, no, no, no. I'm with, just messing with, with your mind a little no bit. No floor, but massive upside. Cool. Yeah, no Jedi thanks. mind tricks. Jedi mind tricks. Yeah. Um, but like we said, now if I'm you're listening to this, you. <laughs> if, you're, if you're listening to this, the draft has probably already begun. But keep a lookout; we will be doing a live draft show Thursday on our Instagram. We'll post about it on Twitter and Instagram, so everyone can join in and watch us as Evan sweats out a couple picks for the Packers, and I cross my fingers and hope the Bears trade into the first round. Um, Anything else to add before we get out of here, Evan? 
just please don't draft a quarterback. <laughs> I have left Evan speechless, which is a very rare uh, occurrence. If you that know, doesn't Evan. Um, that doesn't happen. No, but, but uh, thanks everybody for listening. <laughs> we appreciate everything. Uh, we appreciate the love. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, the caught up on the latest news that we share with you the memes the jokes the gifs the gifs all the above um make sure to like and subscribe leave a five-star review share us with a friend with an enemy with a rival with your local healthcare provider um we are the war on 94 podcast we love you we'll see you later bye-bye bye-bye